Hey, people, it's going off track. I'm trying to emphasize different parts of going off track. How's that sound? Brad. <laughs> Mr. Ears. What's, what's the other option? Going off track. That was weird. terrible. <laughs> good, right? So uh, Brad Jonas Steven here. Hi. Um, today's guest, Paul Delaney from None More Black and uh, Black Anvil. Uh, dude, this guy was And Kill Your Idols. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Kill Your Idols. How could I forget that? God, I'm so... Paul's been in a lot of bands. It's... Yeah. And he's also, what, played, filled in for Rise Against? Rise Against, H2O. H2O. Yeah, he's just one of those dudes that people like having around, like having him play. And uh, the bands he's in are good, and the bands he fills in with are also good. Just a cool, cool dude. Uh, known him for a while. Great to have him here. We're going to talk about some fun, fun stuff with Paul. Uh, but first, I have a question that I I was waiting for this to happen. I'm not big on the Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash going off track. Leave a comment. Hit a like. Uh, on my own Facebook page, I had random relative not quite kin to me that i was like i need to unfriend this person they're I've, um I've done it their their pro gun remarks are now into the offensive and i'll and i'll give people both sides not to go on like the nra rant my father's a big right wing nra gun retired military dude i grew up with guns in my house as i'm sure uh brad you probably did too yeah um I didn't grow up with assault weapons, but I've seen a bunch living on army bases. But this this dude, just like if I put something up, he'd be like, "Well, that that's a that's from the left. Give me an angle from the right." Right. And I said, "Well, give me a an angle from the right that doesn't, you know, sift through an archaic amendment." You know what I mean? And then it just got weird. And then and then there was something um, <clears throat> put up on Facebook that just said the last four um, uh, mass shootings were done by liberals. And I was like, and now I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, you know what you should do? Yeah. And this is what I've learned, a little trick. Uh, is, I don't use Facebook that much, but you can hide people from their timeline mm -hmm. without deleting them so they don't know, but just their stuff won't pop but up. But I don't think they know if you unfriend them. I think that... That's what I was wondering. I don't, because I went through this because I... I think I think because my thing's private, though. Like, if they went to my profile and I had unfriended them, they wouldn't oh, yeah, be able no, to see if they, anything. If they, but they, that, it's not like they get a message. No, they don't get like, a message. Like, they would have to actively kind of, like... But but go. I feel like I don't... If I don't have to look at... Because I feel like I've used it a lot for that kind of stuff and also for, like, girls I've dated when there's, like, <laughs> now here's just me and 700 photos of my boyfriend where we look so happy. But I know they're not really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell by the amount of pictures they post. Yeah, so you I can could tell hide. by them hanging out at the beach that yeah they are just miserable, <laughs> and I'm the happy one <laughs> sitting at Facebook at 2 a.m. with like Chinese food like cake to my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this has gotten a little dark. How is uh, the single guy on going off track doing? That's you. <laughs> yeah, that is me. Yeah, what um, happened a couple of days ago? We got out. <laughs> I, it's been going good. I, you know, I've, I've been really busy and I've been traveling a lot. But, um, you know, it's all about balance, balancing things out. That's correct. Much like yoga. <laughs> That's about as much as I'm going to say. <laughs> because you can, you can extrapolate from the yoga various positioning and things you're doing. <laughs> you know. And you can also Downward tell by dog. grins. Yes. <laughs> Downward doggy style. Corpse pose. <laughs> no, that's if you're married. Right? <laughs> and there it is. And going from corpse pose into Paul Delaney is perfect. <laughs> it's going off track. I think you should.
feel it makes me so self-conscious when I do it. Oh. I'll do it. All right. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Paul Delaney. Did I say that right? Yeah. Good. I mispronounced our last guest's name, and it was super embarrassing. <laughs> uh, you know Paul from Killer Idols, No More Black, Black Anvil, um, a bunch of bands. It's like the beginning of Star Wars, if you read it. <laughs> <laughs> a New Hope, Paul Delaney. No hope. <laughs> <laughs> and you played with H2O. Yeah, a lot of live shit. Uh, H2O, Madball, a lot with Madball. I didn't know Rise you did against. Madball. And, we, and you did Rise Against where? Australia and that, New Zealand. Just that, like one tour. That, that's a bummer of a tour to be put on. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Had you been out to those areas before? I've never been to Australia, New Zealand. We, we, have, we have a lot to cover with you because aside from... One, I love None More Black. I saw you guys a bunch. It's just a great, great band. Kill Your Idols, you, you often, like, when you see a band that has, like, for the lack of a better term, a logo or a moniker that is just as recognizable as the band that can stand alone. When I first heard of Kill Your Idols, it was when our good friend Debbie Wonder, wife of Rusty Pistachio from H2O, had on a Kill Your Idols jacket. And I just thought it was a cool-ass jacket. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Who makes that? And she was like, It's a band. It's like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you. Now I, know, I, I know the face that goes along. With that <laughs> yeah, she's the greatest. Um, when did Kill Your Idol start? Uh, I joined in '98, maybe. Oh wow! So the band had to start, I think '97. Okay. Or maybe '95. I don't even remember. But they they had one one EP out that me and Rafe, who ended up joining the band on drums, who's currently in Black Anvil with me, he. Uh, me and him got our hands on that and run the shit out of it. Loved it. I know they did one tour, which was like a week, and they came home early. Like So they probably did like four shows, a couple down to Florida, and just drove straight back. Handful of shows. I had seen them a bunch. They had issues with their guy. They were on their second bass player at the time. And I got the call and was sort of like, yeah, I'll, fucking, I'll do it. Cool. <laughs> and I learned all this stuff, and then they, they were going to be doing the tour with, with the guy they had. Like, yeah, you know. It all worked out with, with whatever his name is. We're going to do it with him. It's like, all right, cool. Learned all this shit for nothing. Great. <laughs> and uh, upon coming home, they had Crucial Chaos booked, the NYU uh, radio, radio oh, yeah. show. I got a call the night before. I forget what night Crucial Chaos was on, but whatever. Night before, Gary calls me up, and this is like landline, you know, like years ago. And he's just like, hey, we need someone to play Crucial Chaos with us. Do you remember the songs? <laughs> I th yeah, I think so. I could figure it out. And I ended up playing a couple over the phone to him. Like, I put the phone near my practice amp, and, like, that was it. Like, they picked me up next day with all my gear, rolled up to Crucial Chaos, got through it, luckily. Someone that wasn't even in the band was the one giving me cues on, like, when changes were, our buddy Ron. And that was it. After that, kept playing shows. That was, like, my entrance to the band. Where'd you start out? Uh... Where are you from, born? Oh, Queens. Queens, right on. South Ozone Park, Queens. Right on. It's interesting. It's Jamaica, basically. Okay, fair enough. A little smaller neighborhood. It, so, it was interesting. How did you sort of get into hardcore kind of initially? Sort of through my mom, in a way, before I even really realized what was going on. Like, I'd always look at her records and listen to, like, Frank Zappa and Van Halen. Like, Van Halen was, was the one band that I was my go-to. Uh, Sabbath and Zeppelin. Like, she just had... Kill, she still has a killer record collection. But she had Black Flag Damage on vinyl and uh, Dead Kennedys and God We Trust on cassette. Those are two that I always, like, I always loved just because the artwork was cooler, but I couldn't really, like, whenever I'd listen to them, it wasn't as big sounding as everything else. So 
as much as I thought it was cool, I really, I didn't get it really. But later on, Metallica covering Misfits and, and th that was sort of like an introduction for me. And yeah, like junior high school, just friends making copies of tapes and stuff. Like I remember the first hardcore, like mix of hardcore stuff I got. I had the breakdown demo, bunch of like the Where the Wild Things Are comp songs. Like I just sort of got into hardcore and I had already gotten into metal at this point. And a lot of those bands, like Agnostic Front was playing metal shows, you know, like it all just sort of blend, like opened up for me. I forgot. Yeah. Metallica cover what? Last Caress or something? Yeah. And Green yeah, Hell. Last Caress and Green Hell. And, and Green yeah. Hell yeah. That Garage Days re-revisited. There is a revisited. I saw it once and regret never buying it. There was whatever. Can we just rewind for a second? Sure. How'd you get into hardcore? I think my mom. That's probably a first. How did your mom get into the Black Flag and the Dead Kennedys? I don't know. That's so cool. It's a good question. She's into like, as much as she's into older stuff like that, like she was really into like Pretenders, Iggy Pop, Todd Rundgren, like, you know, look at it. She has like an old photo album with ticket stubs and Queen, Kiss, like Kiss and Rush for like six bucks at Queens College, shit like that, where you're like, man. Wow, cool. I'm like waiting amazing. online at Ticketmaster. And oh, Jamaica the conversations and... that Gene Simmons and Getty Lee must have had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the conversations that they probably didn't even... No, probably didn't even talk to each other. They yeah. talked about the Fountainhead or something. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh, she just was more into like X-Ray Specs records and, you know, right she's in, a, in a, a lot of that stuff. She's younger. Now mm -hmm. she's 50... Six or fifty-seven. We should have your mom on the podcast and bring it down. Her. Yeah, definitely. That'd be fun with her records. Yeah, <laughs> bring all of them here. So when um, when did music start for you? Of course, you know people are fans, and some of us don't ever play. But when did you start saying I want to play as well? I wanted to. I wanted to play bass because my godfather played. Let's, let's shut that off. Because my godfather played bass, and he was just cool, was like a cool like biker dude, and uh, it was easier than guitar. Like, listening to, like, Eruption, I was like, eh, it's cool to play bass, you know? Like, So, yeah, bass was just, you know, I had someone in my life that played bass, and it was just, like, a cooler, heavier instrument. Did I he always, teach you? Uh, I went, he took me to lessons. He was still, he was, like, not even a good bass player. He was, like, going to, like, take lessons. He just had, like, a cool bass and looked cool. I was, like, fourth grade or some shit like that. So uh, my dad played bass. I don't know him and will never. So... I remember my mom telling me when I was like sort of psyched on it. She's like, "You should call your dad and see what you know, what kind of bass he could recommend." I was like, "All right." I was young, but I remember the conversation. Like, I actually called him, and he was just like, "I'll give you my first bass." It was a really weird conversation. He's probably shocked. Like, okay, this kid, this is my son, but I don't talk to him because I'm a dick. So, uh, he wound up leaving it for me at my grandmother's house on that side of the family. Acquired the bass, but I was too young to be like affected by like the dad that just you know, pulled like an asshole move. I was just like, fuck a guitar. Right. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to put it on when I get home and act like I'm like, you know, act like I'm, I know what I'm doing. And then I just sort of took lessons, a couple lessons, learned like cream songs, like the basics and like would go home and put on like legacy brutality and try to like figure out misfits records, like sort of worked into like learning my own, you know, it's good that you use the actual records and not all the bootlegs. Because then you would just learn how to tune. Yeah, or not tune. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a very Well, Evil Live is one of my favorite live records. Really? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That Kiss Alive? We'll get, we'll get there. Yeah, okay, but, uh, we have to. Yeah, that was, that was sort of like once I, I was able to figure out how to like just catch stuff by ear, mm -hmm. it sort of became easier. Catching stuff by ear just 
as someone who can't do it, just amazes me. But for bass, I feel like it's sort of, I mean, not easier, but... You, well, it's easier. It's That's easier. why I chose yeah. bass. Because <laughs> you don't need like, to figure out the chord. It's like you can hear the root, and you're like, oh, this, I just play this note. Like, yeah, and then instead of the fill, you do a slide like Gene Simmons, done. Totally. <laughs> Song figured out. <laughs> Except I remember I played bass for a while when I was really young, and I could never hear it. Yeah, sometimes it can be hard to hear. That's true. I'm like, it's easy enough to get the root, but then you're like, what the hell? What's after that? What's he playing? You know? Yeah, slide. Or, <laughs> or you get like a rancid record, and I'm just like, oh, this is too hard. <laughs> See that? Yeah, forget too that. many. That'll notes. put you right off. <laughs> Goat Misfits. Yeah, but even Cliff good. Burton was like a big influence on me, and I never like. I'm still not like a crazy, crazy bass player. Like I just rather keep it solid. Good, because crazy and bass sucks. So here's the question: <laughs> Do you think Metallica would still be awesome if Cliff Burton had lived? I don't know. Or do you think they would have eventually gotten to where they are now? I don't, not I, awesome. They probably not. I, I back Metallica. Yeah. And this this could be like the first fifteen hour podcast with, that ends in you three guys fighting me, so physically fighting me. <laughs> but I, I love them. They're like the one band that I'm still like mega fan of. See, I kinda, all of the eras. They're kind of like Weezer to me, where it's like I love the old stuff and the new stuff. I always get excited about it, and then I listen to a little, but I feel like I never really give it a chance. See, Wait, what would you recommend, like? Death Magnetic, do you like that? Or the Love one? it. Yeah? Love it. I When the Black Album came out, I was just, I got it, but I didn't really... I was already into like way heavier stuff. Right. I'd rather listen to like Extreme Aggression than that because, you know... So it was sort of was what it was. It was cool, but I was the, I had a whole other door open in, in my life, darker. So I was like, eh, cool, Metallica, whatever. Uh, load, Reload, I thought sucked at first. I was like, eh, it is, you know, done, whatever. They cut the hair. Typical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Years later, like working in a warehouse, hearing those like radio hits over and over on K Rock, I was, I was like, "Yeah, this is good stuff." It's not, it, you know, it's not kill them all, but it's great. And it just sort of opened, opened back up. They did that other Garage Inc. thing. I mm-hmm. saw them at Roseland on that. <clears throat> to like a merciful fate medley. It's cool. Like yeah. that to me was important. That, that a band like that didn't. It covered forget. Thin Lizzy. It was you know. It's, yeah. it's not bad. Never forgot who they were and uh, or where they came from. Even to this day, like I don't know any. I. I don't care about the personal end of it. Like, I, I have a couple of friends that, like, you know, have ties working with, like, Q Prime and everything. I don't want to know anything. I don't care. It has nothing to do with the music. Yeah. You know? uh, there's still, like, you still see Hetfield. He's got a fist patch on his vest. I don't even have that. De- like, I can't even find that demo on, like, the cool, like, the only blog that's left. And the guy's got, like, found a fist patch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they, they know what's going on. And that, that, to me, is always a cool thing. They never lost sight of, like, who they were. But that's probably, like, pop music to you. Like, I'd imagine the stuff that you listen to is so heavy for the most part. You said part. a dark door was open. What was that? Uh, or window, maybe. Uh, basement door. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, getting into heavy metal sort of, I don't know, I got obviously, you know, really into hardcore being from New York because it was more of a, I don't know, it's more relevant here. Mm-hmm. It was a huge hardcore scene. It was pretty tough and, I don't know, I just grew up around that element. But getting into metal, like Merciful Fate, for example, is a band that it was a little more than just like, you know, cool, draw a pentagram on your notebook. Like there was something I could sort of look into lyrically and that always stuck with me and I always, you know, even getting into bands like Venom, which were a little more tongue-in-cheek, like, mm-hmm. it always, the the essence of metal was always a little more to me than just, like, the look. And that is the reason why we're doing Black Anvil today, because there's a, a deeper, you know, more personal, deeper 
thing involved. Like Celtic Frost, too? or Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did kind of No More Black, because obviously No More Black is so different than, than Killer Autos or Black Anvil. I mean, it is more punk rock. I mean, obviously there's some crossover, but it's poppier and kind of, you know, Jason was in Kid Dynamite, which is in kind of a little bit of a different world. How did that band come together, and were you into that kind of stuff as well? Oh, I still am. I have a pretty, the iPod's pretty diverse, but I, I, re- I do appreciate aggressive music more than anything. Like acoustic guitar shit, everyone slowing down, I, I sort of want to get heavier Yeah. in my older age, get angrier. But uh, yeah, I, I remember hearing the, the first No More Black demos and Jason's girlfriend at the time, uh, who I was good friends with, let me hear it at a bar one night, like pulled out a disc man, you know, she's like, oh, you got to hear this shit. And I was like, wow, I was so psyched. I emailed him and I didn't even mean it in like a, a forceful way, but I, I, I hinted, I was just like, yo, if you ever need a bass player, like, let me know. He wrote back, he was like, our guy's a teacher. Funny you mention that. I want to tour and whatever and sold, done. I, was, I, I wanted to try out and he was like, you don't even have to try out, just join. I was like, fuck, man. I didn't even have a car. I was just like, Jersey, Philly, yeah, whatever. I'll drag my head, I'll, I'll walk down a turnpike, whatever. It was, it was cool. Because <laughs> it was still aggressive, even though it was like poppy and catchy. Like it still had balls, mm-hmm. which, you know, <clears throat> w- w- was appealing. So that, I just sort of joined that band too. Like, What was it like doing the This Is Satire record with Jay Robbins? It's was great. It- yeah. To the point where we we the next Black Anvil record may go to him too. Wow. Wow. There's been, there's been some emailing back and forth. Uh all talk for now, but there's interest on both sides. But that was it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had recorded. We recorded with a lot of people, a lot of friends who I respect as if they were, you know, the biggest names in, in recording. But he was just a, a guy. We were there for a month and I remember me and Jay were the last two to leave, Jason. And uh we got in a van, we sort of queued up the iPod, and we just, like, bummed out. It was a real good experience. It was just real fun, and we, we loved the guy. I remember the, the, the ride out of there was just silent. We were all sort of like, hmm, going to sort of miss him. I don't want to admit this. <laughs> but but it was, uh, it was great. Guy's, guy's just great. He's a great producer. Just, like, you can, you can hear a Jay Robbins record, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I think it's awesome. That's He's always cool. been in my head, and uh, there was... There's a plan to go to Sweden and record the next record with the bass player of Marduk, which is really... They're a band I respect. He's a super skilled guy. Uh, that was supposed to be in February. We have about half of a record written now. So, like, we're still in, in the process, and we were supposed to do a tour in February. We wound up folding with this band from Holland called The Devil's Blood, who you should check out. One of my favorite bands. I know them from hardcore, but they're sort of, like, 70s rock. Like, Fleetwood Mac meets Merciful Fate. I hate to make comparisons like that, but fucking great band. We were supposed to tour with them. And That's it probably the best comparison I've ever heard. It's real interesting. The <clears> main, <throat> main, main man Christy is McVie mastermind. and Diamond. It's cool. <clears throat> That's uh, crazy. Female-fronted uh, band, really driv- like guitar-driven, but not over the top, like mm-hmm. tasteful. Amazing band. Uh, I found their demo and wound up writing to their MySpace page. A drummer wrote back. He's like, hey, it's Sander from Right Direction, like a band that we played with us. Wow, this is weird. Worlds colliding, sort of. Not black metal, but very like completely satanic band. Like all of the same, you know, ideas just in a, in a rock band. Great band. But we were supposed to tour with them in February, and that wound up getting canceled a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. So that sort of, we were preparing for that, and we sort of put writing on the burner for a little bit. This is good because now you open the dark door for me because um, in 
you know, genres in music are crazy and ridiculous and people love them and hate them because, you know, people like the disambiguation of, you know, this is this, but it's also this. And I really got hooked on that Metal Evolution show. It's a good show. Uh, it was good. You know, and I, and I remember seeing his movie and I watched, you know, I, like, I turned it on when he went over to Scandinavia, you know, and he was discuss- and was learning about the uh, black metal and things like that. So what is, uh, like, what, what is, define black metal for me. What would you say it is? Million dollar question. To me, <clears throat> black metal, uh, you have to be the satanic band in order to, to be a, like a sincere black metal band, I believe. But in, in that movie, I mean, in, in all in all movies, there's Until the Light Takes Us. Like I saw that when it came mm-hmm. out. And uh, a lot of like the mainstream just focuses on the same stories, which is cool. That started everything. I get it. It's It's definitely key to a lot of stuff, but no one really moves forward with it it's just like cool these crazy young kids were violent and fucked each other up and burnt down some buildings and cool back to dio's house which is cool let's fucking hang out at dio i'll go there now i don't give a shit but (laughs) you know what i mean like i didn't mean that in a disrespectful way but it it all is sort of like the shock value of the of the beginning of it is sort of what like society's intrigue is with it and then after that it's just like eh. meanwhile it's I don't want to call it a movement, but you know, it's sort of progressed into a it's lot. It's evolving. More. Changed right. my life, you know. Got like, <clears throat> is that so? Is a, is a lot of that iconography? Is that? Do you think that's true? Like, because I know there's stories about like people eating up guys' brains and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, they were wild people. It's it's like watching Gangland, maybe you know, like that uh, sounds way better than Gangland. Gangland, I feel like it's like one thing they repeat over and over, and this yeah, sounds like or way Lock crazy. Up Raw or yeah. something like that. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. I I know. People that have ties to that, like I've, you know, talked to like the dude from Dark Throne via the internet back and forth. I, I don't ask any, you know, there's no need to ask any of those questions, but it, it's all out there. Like, you know, they're just young kids with yeah, maniacs, you know, gotten some shit. And when you said, when you said the, uh, <clears throat> feel it has to be have like a, a satanic base to it. You, is that lyrically, spiritually? Is that both? Both. Yeah. Okay. And is that the you know the the schools of thought in in I don't know religion whatever Satanism is you know you have the the Anton Lavey version of Satanism which was it's a like joke. atheism yeah yeah it's just, it's just it's basically uh, I'm I'm doing the opposite of Christianity it was no screw everybody else I want this for me and I'm gonna fuck everything I see and do all the drugs it's excess yeah Satanism towards excess and selfishness which I think please correct me. Uh, that was like more of Danzig's take on it, a writer maybe. To an extent, he. Yeah. I, I almost feel, hedonistic. Yeah, I <clears> think <throat> that also came along with like being a guy in a band too. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, he probably just went for it, like girls right. and videos. Yeah. But he's he he seems like a I don't know you know much about him personally, but he Danzig seems like a pretty into it guy. Like mm-hmm. his knowledge, even just from the imagery of the band, you could tell he's yeah. like really in tune. Probably reads a lot and studies a lot of stuff. I feel that's important. Like, if you're going to get into that, you know, if you're going to go that that route, you should really look into everything. Like, we were talking before, like, about politics and left wing and right wing. Mm -hmm. Like, you should sort of know your enemy. Like, I was watch I watch History Channel specials on like religion all the time, and it's it's always been intriguing for me. And Mm -hmm. I, I see a connection when it comes to darker aspects of life, and you know, me changing as a person in the last like 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. 
how were you kind of exposed to Satanism? Was it through the music and then you kind of digging deeper or was yeah. it? Yeah. It was, it was cool. Like, you know, listen to Slayer, read the Anton LaVey Satanic Bible. Cool. And whatever I did get f from that, what I needed at the time, like I was just cool. Fuck everything, you know, like, uh, it sort of made me a little tougher on the edges. I, it was already weird for me in my neighborhood growing up anyway, being like the guy with the kiss back patch and like one of the only white kids in my school, like literally the little guy that they'd stick on the floor in the class photos holding up the sign. <laughs> I was that guy because I was always a little like twerp. But I never, it was never like, it wasn't like a rugged story. I wasn't like the white kid that was getting beat up. It was just, everyone was so young. It was cool. Or was it just you and your mom? Uh, me, my mom, grandparents downstairs. Oh, right on. But, uh, I had like zero problems in elementary school being the only white kid. Junior high school was weirder because it's like now you you get to meet Guidos, cool from Howard Beach, and you're like the white kid that's hanging out with all these black kids, and then black kids from other schools don't know you. So who the fuck is this little like white kid with long hair hanging out with like over here? And I was sort of like on my own. <laughs> it sucked. Isn't that weird? Once you get older, it's like. You, you, when you're a kid, you don't know shit about race and you don't care. It's like, what, you're black? I don't care. You want to play? Just shut up. Like, whatever. If you don't want to play? Go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, nothing to do with that. But then you get older and you get the bullshit, which is parenting. You learn that at home where whoever's raising you, whoever's doing it, that's where you figure it out. I didn't know anything about anything until I was 14. And I've talked about this before because my dad was military. I knew officers and enlisted. And there were certain people that had to talk to my dad differently because he was an officer, but no race at all at all like never thought about it we just hung out then to move back to the states and outside of dc and i'm like wow people are assholes <laughs> why are people such dicks why can't i talk to them oh they don't want to talk to me well they're dicks too yeah i'm gonna read comics yeah i never had any issues until like junior high school high school exactly it was just different neighborhoods and clashing <clears throat> it was well, weird like my i'm 35 i don't need years of who remembers what years I was in high school, junior high school. But I remember high school, like the Rodney King thing happened. And it was like the poser version. Like a couple of kids got beat up in my high school for it because people were acting like dicks. You know, it was like, all right, I get it. You're not there, but. It's also it. high school, like where they're looking for a fucking excuse to beat your Any ass. reason to fight. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up in this boner <laughs> I don't know how to deal with. I grew up in the sticks <clears throat> with a bunch of white people. We had a token black guy, a token Jew. And no, they didn't get any shit ever because they were just nobody. There was nothing. But you got beat up for wearing the wrong fucking pants. You know, like it's fucking high school. Like they're all there's always going to be they're going to be looking for whatever sets you apart. And if yeah. it's the color of your skin, it's way easier than the fact that you're wearing funny pants. Well, I've had this is like not <laughs> a popular opinion. I've had like, like a lot of conversations about bullying where I'm like, yeah, it sucks. Like it's bad, but it's like it's kind of part of growing up sort of and i feel like people are so protective now that it's like you're gonna i don't know for yeah, me we're not gonna have any good fucking bands yeah, and then, like, <laughs> like i, I wore, I wore bifocals and i had curly hair like trust me i got bullied a lot like i had ears that were this big when my head was like half its size right. and it sucked but it's like you get through it and then you're like that i don't know like and you're bitter and driven to fucking sort of <laughs> sort of <laughs> yeah if I came home and was having a problem and told my mom, she'd be like, hit him. Okay, go to school, hit him. You know, like, I feel you either lose to that or you you gain from it. Totally. I'm reading this book now, and this is a little embarrassing, too. It's Adam Carolla's book. It's all right called on. In 50 Years, We'll All Be Chicks. 
and it's about how like we're losing masculinity. How make no one a knows book how cover to... for that shit on the train. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reading my Kindle, but it's like, but it's that's like, just as masculine. I know, but it's so funny because like it's like about how sort of people don't know how to like catch food. You don't know how to fix an engine, like especially people like kind of our maybe our age or especially younger. Um, and it's like even on the way here, I was like, I should talk to Paul about something about Norway. I was like, well, my fish oil is from Norway, but it's like I don't. I'm from Queens, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, talk about Puerto Ricans. Let's go. It's it's interesting how sort of things are going, and I don't know, I don't know where, where I'm going with this weird tangent. Yeah, no, you know I, it's an interesting conversation. Because yeah, that's why Paul just held, held up his phone for everyone listening at home. What's I think that is a big part of it for sure. Well, it's, I think what's cool is that you grew up in like it sounds like you grew up in like this cool melting pot that by the time you hit high school, you know, devolves into bullshit. That my philosophy is life is. Like if you go to college, that's the most adult place you'll ever be in your life. Because you're like, yeah, I'm a grown-up. I'm by myself. I can have sex if I choose and drugs. Oh, that's cool. And I'm learning. I'm, I went to I'm college a, in Queens and I just fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But then you leave college and you go out in the, in the quote-unquote real world and people have a job. And it's just high school. It's the same bullshit. Right. Talking behind, acting this way, whatever. And like the world is high school after the fact. It sounds like you grew it's up in a good this, way to look at it, yeah. It, it's, it's annoying. It's pathetic. You know, and we and your therapist is your guidance counselor. That's it. That's how it works. Uh, if you choose to go that route, some of us do. Um, so uh, you said you're in, you're in high school, and it was just you, you and your mom and your grandparents. That was it. Yeah, right on. And I'm fascinated by so you had no relationship with your dad outside of no. A base. My mom met the my current stepfather. I was in like eighth grade when they mm-hmm. met. They're together still. Okay. So I had a father figure. I had like my grandfather. He was like a right. tough Ginzo from like from Queens, born in Brooklyn. Like, but you know, raised yeah. in Queens, yeah. or whatever. Tough, like hard Italian family. Right on. Fix anything with duct tape, electric tape, like that type of mentality. <laughs> so I had like a cool. Like, I cut a, my arm. We have a fix for that. <laughs> yeah, throw some fucking tape on it. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up with a with a great family. You know, like a really cool. They're still cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll probably drive there. I'll probably go get my tire fixed because I was what you were talking about last night, trying to figure out how to fucking change a flat on my car. Yeah. And uh, I currently have a donut on it now. I'm going to go get two new tires and then go hang out with my grandfather. Right on. But, uh, yeah, I, I lost. What did you study in college? Uh, psychology. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's all connecting but here. A couple of years, <laughs> academic probation, just, I didn't give a shit. I wanted to. I joined Killy Riddles and ended up touring. That, like, yeah, that's what that's the way that needed to go. Yeah, I didn't um, have the. Uh, it was cool and intriguing, but I was like, oh, there's all this work involved, and at the time, I wasn't ready for it. It's kind of fascinating the connection of it. You know, it's like you you have this interesting home life, which is good. And it sounds positive in this cool way of growing up, and um, it's all, it's almost like almost classic. It's like, yeah, I'll study psychology because it sounds like you, you know, you had a father figure, but you had this weird relationship with your own dad, you know, but then the base, I don't know, I keep going back to that. It's just like, I like your story. I didn't think that was Good fucked coincidence, up. coincidence. The fact that my father played bass and my godfather, right. by, uh, cause I grew up going through the Catholic mode. My family doesn't really give a shit, but mm-hmm. I had to go to like religious instructions. That was played a big part in it too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was just a coincidence that they both played bass and that I had an in. I would have begged her to take me to Sam Ash and get me a bass had she not been like, call your dad. So I just called him because I was like in fourth grade and I was like, all right, put me on the phone with him, you know? Might have been one of those last bastions of, you know, call him, see what happens. 
Ah, he fucked it up. But the kid got a base, so win-win. I didn't even <laughs> find out what he looked like until Googling myself within the last 10 years. You're allowed to do that, obviously, when you're in a band. You've, you've all done that shit. Yeah, of course. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew, like, his basics. And I didn't even want to give him this much talk. But uh, I knew, like, the basics, and I found a picture of him online, and I was like, <laughs> like a little thumbnail. I saw, like, a guy's name that I know he knew from Sam Ash and Queens. My mom always used to be like, that guy's friends with your father. And I was like, yeah. Well, fuck him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is he going to give us a discount on strings? No. So <laughs> he'll shove his head up his ass. <laughs> but uh, my dad apparently tour managed Thor, that fucking band. Yeah. And uh, I found a picture of him at some Thor show in L.A. And I was like, man, he looks like shit. Like, I, I let's keep that in the, in the <laughs> records for, like, when I go get fried food oh, later. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was really weird. It was the first picture I ever saw of him because my mom threw out every picture she had of him. And, uh. Yeah, I just, like, browsed the website. It was, like, GeoCities bullshit-ass website. But there's a picture of him, Thor, and Lars Ulrich in 84, and he's holding up the fingers behind uh, Lars's head. Must have came out to see him in L.A. or something like that. And I was like, man, cool, you weren't paying child support, but you were fucking on tour with Thor. And, uh, yeah, and I just felt a little weirded out, like, more like, oh, shit. And I, you know, X'd out of it and... That was it. I found that weird that he was kind of in the, the metal world and you yeah. ended up there yourself. Well, I was just a little weird out seeing him for the first time. Yeah, yeah I guess that would be that was all super it, Let alone with Lars Ulrich. <laughs> yeah. In like the famous white MC jacket. <laughs> it was just like, holy shit. It was weird. Yeah, that is bizarre to first see your father on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So, and, but yeah, he is, it is what it is. Like I grew up without him. I have a strong enough base at home. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Do you find that all this... You know, music is you know fills enough gaps in your life enough, but then when you're into music that has a, I hate the term spirituality, by the way, I just loathe it, but I'm using it to fill this void. Um, that you're into music that found yourself drifting towards music that had a spiritual base or a connection to something lyrically and, um, I guess, emotionally. You know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, all of my weird. I was definitely a weird kid growing up, only child, that whole family setting, which is cool, functional, but different, you know? I, I, I loved, I still love everyone in my family, but I sort of hated everything else in life. I hated a lot of, I was very weird, miserable, not miserable, but I didn't like a lot of things. I was a weird kid. I still don't like a lot of things, and it makes sense a little now. Yeah, but was, what you like, you really like, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. There There's go. a lot of things I love, you know, hmm. and I'll I'll always love, but... Again, I'm losing. Uh, That's all right. Family, yeah, because I, I start I, I start interrupting myself with shit, and I'm like, oh look, American flag, because my attention span sort of like goes all over the place. Yeah, I'm the, at the same mirror, way, and I'm wondering if the guy that made the shit out there made this mirror for you, you know, like going nuts with the sheet metal. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the answer is yes, by the way. Oh, see, <laughs> this is what happens in my brain. This is where I got to contain it, and, and you know, serenity. So yeah, I. Uh, I was just always, I felt like, obviously why I got into punk and hardcore and, and metal and everything, you know, like, I just felt, I didn't feel like everyone else I was growing up with. I didn't feel like I could relate to anyone or anything. And I always felt different in a way. And uh, I am, you know, I don't feel like, even on the train in the morning, like, I look around and I'm like, man, nobody here is like, I I just can't relate to a lot of things. And as I get older and wiser maybe i just i feel more and more removed from society where where do you feel most comfortable uh 
home, maybe. Is there like by a myself, group, like like well, even, like with friends or you know, I, I I do function like a human being. I'm not well, like yeah, the weirdo that hangs no, out. And, like, I know, I know I'll cut myself mean. on a train, but you know, like there <laughs> there is a separation. Even though I I am a part of society, like you, you know, I function in it. I have no other choice. I have to work. You know, mm-hmm. we don't tour. We're not paying bills touring. We all work in between tours. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I do feel I, I can separate myself from this person on the L train or, mm. you know, guy, construction guy up the street. Like I feel different and it's hard to, to get into words, the, that feeling, but I feel like I'm on a different page, not better or above, but like aside. What I want to know, and this is what I want to know as soon as you agreed to come out. Oh, geez. And you know what I'm going to ask. I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't, I know. You get edit, edit that How shit. does one acquire cow's blood? Uh, you go to a butcher. Or you, you know, you do what you got to do, but you, you can go, go to a butcher. Do you want to know if it's kosher? Yes, yes, that's what I want to know. Are you of, are you a chosen uh, I am, but I'm, like, whenever anyone asks me a question, I'm like, I don't know. Like, is this holiday happening? I'm like, I don't know. That's <laughs> so, because there's a hundred holidays throughout the year. How yeah. can you know which one is which? Yeah, I am. Whenever there's no traffic, that's when there's a holiday. Oh, that's true. There's there, there's the mitzvah parade, the mitzvah the mitzvah parade. tank. Is Have it like maple things? syrup? No. Does it kill the cow, or can you just tap it? Have you ever been in a mitzvah tank? No. I so want to go. Have you done it? No. Oh no. They always ask me, Are "You Jewish?" Like when I get off the train, I'm like, "I'll punch your face in." Dude, you should say yes and go and see what they do. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> just I hang out. I've, I've done it. Like, do. I've done it. Sometimes they'll be like, "Are you Jewish?" And I'll be like, "Yeah." And then they'll be like, "Can you like hold this? I'll like hold this lemon." Sometimes I'll do a it lemon just, and like a fern. Or yeah, some and shit. like they'll like shake it, and then like I'm like, "Okay, that's, that's for it. Sukkot though." With the lemon, where you sit in the box, right? Yep. They put you, you in. You build the hut. You have to build a sukkah. I like religion too. <laughs> what? And they just eat and hang out and yeah, yeah. Sukkot that's actually way bigger than um, Hanukkah. Hanukkah was kind of a. All right, we'll give them gifts. You know, it was kind of a, <laughs> kind of a oh, this this is a cool one. You know, we'll do something here, and we'll you know we'll we'll help go against um, Christmas. But I have a, a good friend who's Jewish, and he does Santa with his kids. And he and I was like, I think that's pretty common. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And well, it, at this point, Christmas really doesn't have anything to do with religion in this country. So never did. It might was, as well. It's 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 like. December 25th has nothing to do with Jesus. It's Mithra, it's Zoroastrian. You know, it was the first well, monotheist. Well, there's that element, too. You know, that one. About just the way people he was, uh, he was you know, quote-unquote, born in March, if that. And we, they stuck that on the solstice. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's a party? Uh, Jesus was born. Oh, shit, he was? <laughs> Let's all give presents. I, it's great. You know? It's, oh, God. It's all Fast forward, even the Jews are hopping on board. See what I'm saying? <laughs> and presents. why not? I think Muslims, Jews, atheists, everybody... Uh, you know the tree has the it was German. There are there is religious significance to bring a tree in your house, but I even think that's early pagan. I don't know the exact definition of it. I'm pretty sure that there used to be someone nailed to that tree. I think that's how that started. <laughs> pretty sure we should nail this is think, next year, guys. Well, you know if you're if you're you know Scandinavian, if you go back to Norse mythology, the uh, Norse god of Balder was a, a sun god. Was it was a, was a Christ figure. That was nailed to, that, that was killed and reborn. You know what I mean? And the character Odin, uh, character, yeah, fuck it, I don't believe in this shit. Character Odin, uh, you know, he was nailed to a tree to achieve wisdom, and he hung there, you know, strapped by his hands and his feet in a very interesting pose. You know, it's all, you know, it's all stories and myths to teach. 
That's what I believe. Now, do you, would you identify yourself as a practicing Satanist? Uh, I don't even like to use that word. What do you like? Just because I, I don't know, I just am, but I am very into like left-hand path and All right cult on. stuff. And it, it's something that I'll forever be learning and reading and, you know, taking on. Good call with the left-hand path. I, yeah, yeah. I, it's easy and not for lack of wanting to sound a certain way because I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. Yeah. But, you know, that word is, I, I always just associate that with like on the surface, like cool, draw a pentagram, bullet belt whatever i i you know i i'd rather take the time and just buy books and read or hang out on the internet and learn and you know get into it's been you know at least the last 10 or 15 years like i've just took on a strong that's taken on a stronger thing it's always been there used to cut that hand off they used to do that (laughs) you were left-handed they would slice that shit right off but how does the sort of is that like a the idea of blood on stage is that like a sacrificial thing or how does that kind of figure into the mythology there's something for for us is something in it's a hard feeling but uh, to explain but covering ourselves in something that was alive once is is sort of power it's a weird feeling it's something that you wouldn't expect like you get like coffee on you like ah fuck but i don't know we get in a different zone before we play and just do what we got to do. Should point out this is for Black Anvil and not yes. No More Black. No More Black. <laughs> yes. No More Black does coffee before we play. When did that start with the Cow's Blood? Uh, how long has the band been a band? A couple of years. Okay. I mean, was it, there, was it an all inspired a, by a Nishram? Uh, <laughs> that's the shirt that I got asked to leave religious instructions for wearing. Really? Yeah. Sam Hain? Yep. That's pig blood. The priest, Father Muller. I think it's corn syrup. Oh, really? I, I read uh, in was... Doyle's book. No, I'm lying. Not Doyle. Uh, Erie Vaughn. Oh, really? Him and Doyle were like boys. And Doyle's mm-hmm. like 16 and in high school and fucking jacked. He got a great book. But uh, yeah, I, I read, I want to say it was in the Erie Vaughn photo book. He was explaining that like Glenn Danzig had like a Hollywood concoction for like blood. And that's what, what they were wearing on the cover of that. But. Yeah, this fucking piece of shit priest, Father Muller, who I believe is dead. And if if that's true, I'll order pizza like <laughs> for you guys right now. Uh, a guy that I, I have zero I can't respect think of a for. Better way to get pizza. Yeah, <laughs> guy that you know I have zero respect for and don't don't care about. He uh, he wanted me to like turn my shirt inside out in class. This was like religious and sh- like CCD or whatever. After mm-hmm. you know Tuesdays a bus picks you up from your school and takes you mm-hmm. to like the church three blocks from my house. He tried making me turn the shirt inside out. And I was, I don't know. Junior, no, it was elementary school. I was in like sixth grade at the time. Cause I remember it wasn't junior high school. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really defend myself fully. Now I would have been like, yeah, all right. You know, look, yeah, I'll change my, turn my shirt inside out. I'll turn you inside out. But, uh, I didn't want to do it just cause I was sort of like, I don't know, embarrassed. Like, I'm going to take my shirt off in the classroom and turn it inside out. And he was like, or you can leave. And I was like, I'll leave. And I left. And I didn't tell my mom. And I continued not going to religion class because I was just like, ah, she's going to get pissed and fuck me up. <laughs> like, if I, you know, so come next year, when it comes time to, like, enroll me or whatever, she's like, so you didn't, you stopped going. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was all because of that shirt who ended up with a friend of mine in Kentucky. I left that with him as, as a gift. I don't like yeah. old shirts. I hate old looking shirts. Really? Get rid of them, get new ones. Yeah. Oh, God. So, uh, I, I so comfy. gave that specific <laughs> shirt to somebody. It's probably gone. Probably smokes crack now. But, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that was the shirt that got me uh, removed from class. Right on. Yep. I, I, see, I love all this. It's, it's like a giant spider web of Paul. Because it's like, what got you kicked out of CCD? A Samhain and Nisham shirt. Yep. That's great. I love it. <laughs> um, wait, now, in Black Anvil, who's, who writes the songs? All three of us. Th- it's okay. me, Gary, and Rafe from who were in Kill Your Idols together. Okay. It started me, uh, No More Black sort of stopped touring for a while. Uh, stopped going nuts. Gary, I, I left Kill Your Idols. Gary had started another band called Death Cycle, which was more punk, like a heavier punk band. I loved it, and I wound up joining that band. It worked out like their bass player didn't do, you know, didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, all right, cool. Play with Gary again. Fucking great. And a drummer, like, the whole band was old, good friends of ours. So that sort of morphed into, like, writing heavier and writing heavier and got to the point where one one day after a death cycle jam, I told Gary, hang behind, let's show you something. And the band just started. Like, me and Gary got one thing down with me on drums and... I called up Rafe the next day. I'm like, you got to hear this song we wrote. It's it's me on drums. It is what it is, but you'll get it. And I picked him up literally the next day. Like our room was free. We shared it with another band and picked him up, let him hear it on the way there. He was sort of laughing at, but at the same time, like, this is cool. And that was it. Like we just started a weekly thing after that. But it was something that we all wanted to do for a while. Maybe not as serious as, I didn't, we didn't even think this was going to be as serious. Like I didn't know. At first, we were like, ah, let's just, like, put a demo out and make a MySpace page and, like, you know, get it out. And what It is what it is. And that turned into, like, a friend in Europe wanted to put the record out and then Relapse wanted to reissue it. And it was like, all right, well, let's, let's get going then. Now it's a thing. It took me a year to be able to play bass and sing. I had to, like, figure that out. We didn't know who was going to sing. and We were thinking of people, and I was like, I'll try it. Fuck it. I'll do it. I wanted to do it. But I, I couldn't separate my hand from my head. Like how like how do people like Hetfield do this? Like and that guy's playing guitar in Metallica, not just playing monkey. shit. I have no like idea us. how you guys fucking play guitar and sing at the same time. It's, it's not easy. It took, it took me about a year of practice, and I still had to like work around little things. I still it's it's always a learning process. I always it's it's a challenge, but luckily the bass is the dummy instrument. You turn a mid range down and you know <laughs> and the bass up and good. Bass is way harder to sing to though because you're like. You're supposed to be filling in the rhythm, like kind of in between, like with guitar. You just sit there and pound the fucking chords, like it's. That's what I do on the bass. <laughs> yeah, but you still like you've got to be way more cognizant of the rhythm on bass. And with vocals, you're not. You're you're kind of you know, you could be anywhere with within the rhythm. I saw this interview with with uh, with Sting. Elvis Costello had a show on Sundance for a bit that was kind of cool, and he he had the police on. A friend of mine took me to to the taping. Sting said something very, I don't know, it was just telling. It, was, it got, half the show didn't make it because it got super nerdy. You'd have died, Brad. It was like all geeky guitar-based music talk. And also you realize Stuart Copeland is a very annoying human being. <laughs> I get now why Sting wanted to pound him because after like listening to an interview with 30 seconds, and I love Stuart Copeland. I was a drummer. I thought he was the greatest. Listen, I'm like, stop talking. <laughs> For the love of God, just shut up. When he did that band with the dude from Fish, I, was I like, know. Man. He had, they, they called him out on that. Did Elvis Costello really? said, So Oysterhead, and Stuart Copeland went, Who needs song structure? And that was what he said. That was, that was a very nice. I didn't even know he did a band with a guy from Fish. Oh, Les Claypool and Trey Anastasio, and it might have been just called Vomit. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sounds like. I was in college and all my friends band. were in the fish. And like, isn't this awesome? I'm like, no, this isn't awesome. <laughs> this is the opposite of awesome. <laughs> 
Well, Sting, Sting was talking about bass playing, and he said, the thing about being the bass player is if you're in a band and Andy Summers plays a, a, a G, it's not a G till I hit the G in the song. Right. It goes together. It's not a G. So it was, he was very specific. And he's a, he's a ridiculously good bass player. Yeah. He's, you know, he's uh, one of those... He's like McCartney. He plays with his thumb. He's like can hammer shit. But I always thought that was fascinating about the bass. But then, like you're saying, like to play and sing. What do you guys tune to? C sharp. Wow. A couple songs drop B, which is weird. Uh, no, it's not. It's cool. <laughs> take that back. Is, it, is that? I mean, that seems like that's got to be like a different approach. I mean, it seems like the strings must be a little floppier and like. Yeah, it's you got to be easier for me. I play like a gorilla anyway, but you got to be a little easier on the instrument. I feel it's easy to tune down. A lot of bands do and just write heavy shit, but for us it was, I don't know. You, you got to write accordingly when you tune that low. You don't want everything to just sound like you have a five-string bass. Right. You know, like you got you to gotta be tasteful with it. I feel some bands fail at that. Not that, you know, excluding myself. Like in general, I feel like, you know, a lot of bands suffer from tuning, just tuning low to sound heavy. It's not necessarily about sounding heavy. It's more to us about like having more range. Is it frustrating for you, um, maybe like bands, it, being so kind of immersed in this world and kind of so educated on it, is it frustrating when you see a band just like throwing corpse paint and be like, kind of like go through the motions without really understanding what's behind it? Or is it like maybe they'll get turned on to it through that? Or? I try to not focus on stuff like that too much just uh-huh. because everyone's got to learn their own way. Totally. But, uh, there's a part of me that, like, with any genre, if it's being out with No More Black or Black Anvil, there's always something that makes me shake my head. And I feel there's always probably someone that looks at what we do the same way, like, uh, it's not, you know, it means nothing. These guys are an American band playing this shit. Like, cool, yeah, we are, but you don't know what goes on behind the, the closed door, so keep it to yourself. Because there's been a lot of talk on the web about us being, you know, about us because we were in a hardcore band prior to that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that was like a thing. Yeah. There was uh, there was some blog. I'm not going to give credit to the, the name of the blog, but I, I sort of found out who one of the uh, the writers was for it and threatened him, basically. <laughs> he, he just sig- singled us out. I'll tell you after who. Okay. <laughs> uh, the blog has sort of folded since. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I don't, I don't think so. Other guys in the band seem to think so because I was a little stern with my... Uh, with my interaction with the gentleman, but uh, he, it, it all turned out, there's this blog, it was sort of a joke, talking a lot of shit about like all American bands. I got the the idea, you know, I got the, the bulk of it. It's funny, cool, but when you, when you single us out like a handful of times, it gets a little personal, and we were doing some shows with this band Urfaust from Holland, good friends of ours, uh, it was me and the dude Fred from Brooklyn Vegan. I don't know if you know. No, him. Uh, very mysterious to me. He's that's weird. Yeah, You've, you should have probably. You've definitely been this close at really? at some point. I'm sure. Uh, he he was a fan, and I was just like, "How do we get them over?" He's like, "I can make it work." It's like, "Great, we'll do a couple of shows, you know, three four shows," and we made that work. And there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of hype about that because a lot of people like them underground, of course, but there was also a lot of talk like, "Why are we the band that's playing with them?" Okay, because I'm the guy that texts the fucking members of the band every day, and I'm the one that wanted to help bring them over, you know? Like, that's why. Because I'm a fan also, and right. I, I want to see them here, and I want to do something cool. So, and it makes sense that we play together. So that was, when that happened, I got an email to our booking agent from some random email address uh, 
completely going on. Like, you know, why would you have some fucking shit band like Black Anvil? Why don't you have the Devil's Blood come over with Earth House? As if he booked it. And uh, so the, it was forwarded to me, and I saw the email, and I'm like, hmm. That's in the Facebook fucking, the, the Facebook page of the blog. I'm like, that's one of the bands, that name. It's like, hmm. So I did a little research, figured out who's who, got a name, found other people involved, and did some, like, you know, Columbo shit. And <laughs> normally it's probably better to, like, just ignore shit on the internet, but I feel sometimes you got to make an example. Like, you got to shut people up. <laughs> it sucks, but... You know, sometimes violence has the upper hand. I can see why you play with Madball for such a long time. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. You, the, the, the day I walked out of the bus the first time in Europe, Freddie was drinking wine and listening to Coldplay. Not what you'd expect to, like, walk into. I mean, you've probably been close to that, to see that they're no, normal human beings and they're not just fighting everything. Yes. Like, you walk into the bus and there's a brawl and you, like, shut the door. <laughs> but uh, we'll, be, we'll be back when you guys are ready. Yeah, that guy, I, I sort of, I finally reached out to the... The gentleman that emailed my booking agent, I felt I could because he sort of brought it to my door. I didn't seek him out. I didn't just like attack him on the internet. I waited and it came to me. Luckily it came to me because the kid just got ahead of himself. And I told him, I was like, look, I, I know who you are and I could easily find out. Like, I know you work. Figured that out. You don't want to go there because Virginia's not far. I'll come down there. And it, it got to that. And since then, no mention of us and there's even been like zero activity on, on the kid's site. I don't know if that had had anything to do with it. Uh, uh, I think it probably did. <laughs> if it were me, it would. I would be like, I'm not writing anymore. I don't want to I wanted him to know that like a joke's a joke, but you've pressed the wrong buttons and it'll get completely physical if you keep it up. Like you you're not I get it, you're funny, but I'm over it. And it's time to make an example. But I don't think people are used to that because I feel like the internet is so anonymous in so many ways. They're like, I can mm-hmm. say this shit. I would never say to Paul's face. Like, I can do this. And I think when it comes out, you're like, oh, this is real life. Like, there's such a disconnect, especially now, especially with younger people. Yeah. Even with No More Black, there's, there's a dude that on, on the internet that always has something to say and uh, called us out in at a fest in North Carolina on our way to the fest. Uh, or maybe a different fest. It's one of those, like... It's like the fest, but it's not because right. there's no one there. <laughs> All the bands are there, but the crowd isn't there. Right. And, uh, yeah, this this other kid from Baltimore sort of called me out on the street in front of the venue, and I'm like, cool, the entire show, and, you know, everyone's out here, and I can't rectify this the way I, I would want to. And it, it sucked to, like, sort of bite my lip and just be like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this now. Jason actually sort of lost it on him. I wanted to clock him and just wreck him. But uh, he was drunk, and... There was a million people around, and it was like, all right, cool. Like, if I do that, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy now anyway because, like, we have ties to Madball. What? Like, what, why are we not cool in your eyes? Uh, because Jason breaks up every band he's in. Like, that's what the kid has everything to say about everything. So, yeah, that was another situation where it was just like, well, there's nothing to do because I'll get locked up or something in North Carolina. It's going to stink. I think you've come up with an amazing way to deal with criticism. <laughs> Fight. And well, it's 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 interesting. Nobody does that anymore. Everyone ignores <clears throat> shit. No, go get them. It's what's well, funny because uh, criticism in general, you know, as as Johnny can say, that's you know, part of his job is to review things and do it. And he has. <laughs> I know where Jonas, you live. Jonas, Jonas had a few bands. Uh, There's been a couple, but like, you're in a band. You can play. You know what I mean? And I don't know. There, there's there's. Uh, you ever seen Ratatouille, the Pixar movie? 
I did, and going somewhere with this. I want to tell you where I saw it. Please, Hoyer from Airball's house. Even better. Yeah. Even you might better. want to nix that out, but no. that's where I saw that. While we're nixing out Madball stuff, I had the best joke that I don't think would bum anyone out. But when you said Freddie was uh, listening to Coldplay, drinking wine, I was going to say he was demonstrating his Shiraz, like demonstrating my style, <laughs> demonstrating my Wow. Shiraz. Let's definitely edit that out. It's great when you <laughs> define it, and there's no possible way we're cutting that <laughs> at all. There's a line in, in Ratatouille where, where the, the big Peter O'Toole critic, he says... When a, a critic realizes that the the biggest like like the biggest piece of junk is worth more than what he's criticizing, than than the criticism he's writing, you know what I mean? Which is is hard to say because like that's it, like getting it, graded for your artwork. Yeah, you know, even some teachers putting a grade on it. Eh, it's what you made, even if it sucks. It's your creation. Isn't it different? Like say say that kid is in a band that you know and like and is shouting that shit, would that give him more merit or, or would he still be an asshole? Yeah, he'd still be an asshole. Fair I enough. Th- here's my, from my experiences, yeah. as far as writing, when I, I've I made every mistake. I think you'd be a lot more tasteful than well, going out of your way and even emailing someone's booking agent telling people, them. People oh, generally, if you just talk about the music and you kind of have like an idea behind it, generally people don't get mad. They might be bummed, but, but when you personally attack people or – people think you have a vendetta against them or something like that, that's when things get weird. Yeah. And, and I've, I've made that mistake when I was younger and I've done stuff and I've had, you know, and it's come out and I've dealt with it and sucks, but that seems to be what really gets people off. If you're honest, criticism, just talking about the music, people tend not to get that upset. Even, even innocent, like stupid criticism. Like uh, there's been reviews. I've read almost every review because for a while I was like, I'm not going to pay attention to any of this, but no, I'm going to absolutely going <laughs> to. Uh, there's been reviews where I just think the reviewer doesn't get it. They just, you know, there's a lack of, uh, creativity in, it's like a cop out almost like just comparing us to what it sounds like, or what they think it sounds like. Read the lyrics. Maybe you'd have a different take on, on our sincerity or our this or that. Like a lot of people <clears throat> just go with what, what it sounds like, not what it, what it means, which is b- big for me because it's, it's, you know. It's not always what it appears to be on the outside. We don't have to sound like a certain thing. Like, read, look into the band and see what we're about and what the point is, and then maybe you'll look at it differently. But I've read reviews where I'm just like, all right, this idiot obviously doesn't get it and never will. Not that it has to. We're this much in the big picture. But for me, it's easy for me to write off just like a a knucklehead review. I, I can cool, you don't get it, or you just don't like it, or maybe you do get it and you don't like it. Cool, your opinion's your opinion. There's a million bands I think the same way about. But like you said, when it, when it gets personal, and it has a, a bunch of times, I feel like I, have, I see no reason why I shouldn't move forward and be like, hey. Yeah, when it gets to that level, that's just, that's just being a dick, and that's not cool. But like what Jonah says, that, that's got to be such pressure to review a record because – how you feel as a critic about someone's art can affect their livelihood. You know, like that, totally. will, that will impact record sales for you. You know, that's it's annoying. So you're and like now you everyone's reviews, a critic. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's less important now because I feel like no one sells records and reviews, I feel like in general, are like anyone can review stuff. So one review isn't really going to. But yeah, I mean, to an extent, especially 10 years ago or something. Well, yeah, when you're learning because your art is is critiquing someone else's art it's very odd but i think it's i feel like you're coming from a different place than a lot of people where like you will kind of 
resort to violence or stand up to that kind of stuff. Or whereas, like, Absolutely. if you're raised kind of behind the computer, it's like when someone comes to you face to face, you're like, I don't you know don't what know what to, to do. do. Yeah, which is exactly what we we're talking about earlier. When you're a kid it, that went to college and got a job that lives in Virginia, and y- your YouTube channel has you playing like Burzum covers through like a crate amp. <laughs> like you know when that's your legacy it's like cool you talk shit i'll be over here actually doing shit right so and, and I, I take offense to it but i didn't even need like i never made that public like i never posted on any of our forums like we have a war against this kid i just sort of went straight to him said, hey knock it off or or <laughs> you know and i don't want to i don't want to have to waste time doing something like that it's, totally it's annoying. It's aggravating. And if my time, if that much of my time is taken up by this, then I got to stop it. It's like <laughs> anything, you know, like you got to make a change. What's coming up with whatever band you're in right now? Uh, writing a Black Anvil record is priority number one. No More Black writing is underway. That's all Jason's department, though. That's great. Uh, I just supply like the backbone. He's the He's the brains. So... Eventually, those two records will happen. Very, very but cool. Black Anvil, we're sort of deep into uh, writing now. Do you store the pig's blood in a freezer or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be fresh. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets a little smelly. So I think it's important to say that after this interview, Paul very kindly offered to give me a ride home, and we went out to his car, and after talking about blood and black metal he had the most unmetal car ever <laughs> it was black which is pretty black metal but it was one of those cars and by the way i'm not making fun of him it was awesome from me ride it was a really nice car but it oh, was yeah. one of those giant cubes oh yeah which i had never been in before which i'm assuming would be great if you have to carry gear mm-hmm. but it was so not what i expected it to be like a hearse or something <laughs> and it was a super modern like big just giant square <laughs> Well, you know, black metal is all about efficiency. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's amazing. And to see that kind of car and to think, oh, they carries blood in here. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. If you're going to carry blood, it's probably best to try to do it in we a really vehicle didn't... that is not going to get pulled over by the police, maybe. Yeah, but even so, what are they going to do, test the blood? Like, why do you have blood in your car? It's cow's blood. We'll prove it. Well, here's a receipt from a butcher. So you obviously have never interacted with a police officer before no they never show up when i have a gun pulled on me <laughs> because usually you don't reason with them usually they say what the fuck is this i'm gonna need backup here <laughs> <laughs> no it's cow's blood really <laughs> this guy's got a cooler full of blood next to a really awesome les paul we're taking one of these <clears throat> maybe I had a cop one time throw a brick at my feet and say, what the fuck is this? And I said, it's a brick. <laughs> Just a random brick or one you had? It was like had. this old brick I had found. I forgot it was under the seat of my car. I had found it when I was camping. And it was like, it was had this big indent in it. And I said, this will make a great ashtray. This was when I was like in college or something. And I was like, this will make a great ashtray. And I threw it under my seat. And that was the last I recall of it until... This Nazi found it under my seat and tried to break my foot with it. I think this brick will make a great ashtray as the opening line to your autobiography. I think that's perfect. All right, I'm going to start writing it. I've been waiting for the, the title. 
Uh, as always, if you want to donate to Going Off Track, go to our awesome website, goingofftrack.com. Click on that donate button, and it will direct you to a way to take your hard-earned dollars and give them to us. And we'll put it towards a tiki bar uh, <laughs> that we're building here in the studio. <laughs> I had to add on to that. Wait, I, th- I thought we already had one. Wasn't I trying to like make people think that when uh, Vanessa was here? Oh, yeah, it's all tiki. We have a tiki bar here. There it is over there. Joe, yeah. can you give me a uh, yeah, cocktail? Totally. Oh, looks, <laughs> looks great. All right. Uh, we need more Fufi umbrellas. We'll see you next week.